We're on. We're recording. Hello, the world. Is it? <laughs> Hello, the world. Hello, the world. Okay. All right. Sitting here with Frank. I don't know even how to describe you. Jesus. Mum's partner. Mum's husband. Yeah. Um, let's start off. Just before you started, what were you talking about yesterday? Yesterday. Okay. What's your view of, like, let's bring it up. I'm not a political man. Mm. Let's bring it up what's exactly happened over the last week? Listen, I don't agree with what the cops did in the US. Mm -hmm. I agree to a certain point um, that these cops were wrong yep. in what they did and the use of force. I mean, I love watching all those little cop shows, cops, Allo, you know, uh, there's some other shows, and they do use a lot of force. Yep. Some of it unwarranted. Yep. The protests at the moment, I don't agree with, simply because the environment with the pandemic, mm -hmm. it's just too volatile. Mm -hmm. I said to a mate of mine who is, who was in the army, and I said to him, mate, we weren't even allowed to honour the people who fought for our country back on the 25th of April. Mm -hmm. We had to do it outside our driveway. Mm -hmm. Yesterday we allowed, I think it was 30,000 people Mm -hmm. to get together and protest. Yep. Large gatherings like that are known to transmit this virus. So to me, that was wrong. Okay. To me, it was like, don't give a shit about what's happening around me. Great excuse to get together and um, protest about the black person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I just don't agree with that at this point in time. Any other given time, wouldn't give a shit, yeah. right? But now that we're in this um, pandemic, we're still not over this pandemic. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with it at all because there's too many lives being put at risk through the actions of um, certain people. So, yeah, so it's not the it's not the actual cause that you. It's not the problem at all. During these times. It's just during these yeah. times. We've all got to be careful yeah. because, yes, it's under control. Yes, there hasn't been an active um, transmitted case from community for a long time. Yeah. I think 10 days. Um, yeah. All the new transmissions have been from people who have come back from overseas or are in quarantine in hotels, and that's great. But we can't yeah. afford to have a second wave because we'll just go back to what it was two months ago. And it is the whole country shutting down. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yep. I mean, I, I can understand why Queensland are doing what they're doing and not opening the borders because I just heard on the news this morning, a guy flew up from Melbourne, mm -hmm. got the virus. From, from Melbourne to Sydney? Melbourne to Brisbane. So he went from Melbourne to Brisbane up to Rockhampton, I think it was. So are they allowing that? Well, you've got to go self-quarantine okay. for 14 days. But it just shows... How easy it how is. How easy it is. Yep. You yep. know, so don't, you know, don't disagree with, with why, disagree with the timing. Okay. All right. Yep. Especially when, you know, we couldn't even celebrate the people who thought, fought for us yep. 
right? I mean, during the world wars and that, um, you know, we, we couldn't celebrate them. Yep. Yet we're allowing people to um, get together and, you know, do what they want to do. Um, I just think the, the timing is wrong. The cause is great. Totally agree with it, right? Yep. It's just the timing. Yep. I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I think most people can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. The, um, what do you think about... This happened in America. Yep. And then it's going all around the world. Yep. Do you think it was, it was always going to happen? Or do you think... Oh, it's just been one... One black man's life has been taken too much now. And that people are just like, that's it. We've had enough. Enough is enough. And the whole world... I mean, you see protests in Berlin. Everywhere. London. Here, yep. for example. People jump on the bandwagon when it comes to this sort of thing, especially with the indigenous folk here in Australia who have always been, you know, um, uh, trying to fight for their cause. So, in, you know, they see a black person in, in America um, die as a result of, uh, you know, of um, the tactics of the, the white police. So everyone just jumps on the bandwagon, yep. you know. And that's what the world does. Something goes wrong, everyone jumps on the bandwagon. Yep. Um, again, don't disagree with it because I think everyone has the right to be treated the same. Yep. Right? Just the timing of it. Yep. Timing yep. is just, you know, protest peacefully. Um, I don't agree with the looting. I don't agree with putting you know, businesses on, on, you know, on fire and stuff like that. Thank God it hasn't happened here, but in the States, the States has been known to always go over the top with that shit. It's crazy. Like, you can understand the... Pro like you just said, you can understand the protests. Protest all you want. Yep. But when the looting starts... Yep. It's like... Come on. Like, that's just mm. stealing. Yeah, just it looting. is. It's just... It is. It's people taking advantage of the fact. Yep. So they're taking advantage of the death of some guy. Yep. They're not protesting um, against um, the equality. They're just joining on and let's get whatever we can get from yeah. it. I can understand the... See, there's looting, there's peaceful protests, and there's rioting. Yep. I can actually understand the rioting. Yep. Because how many peaceful protests has there been in the past and nothing has been done? Yeah. So, like, the rioting, setting things on fire, I can actually understand it because now, look, everyone... Has brought the attention to everyone. Like so many police have got off in the past. Yep. And it's like, okay, we had a peaceful protest, nothing's happened. Yep. Now we set up shit on fire mm. and something's happening. Yep. Yep. Oh, so I mean, can, the, I can understand the rioting. There's positive things going on in America in regards to the trap of um, African Americans over there as a result of what's going on. But can you seriously say that yesterday's protest achieved anything here in Australia? You know what? Unfortunately, no. And I don't know enough about the topic. Like they're saying, four hundred and thirty-two indigenous people have been yep. killed in custody. Yeah. And I mean, I can't speak for, for that side of it. Mm. But the protests yesterday have done nothing. No, they've done nothing. It's they haven't brought, they haven't nothing. brought awareness. Nothing will change in Australia in two months' time. It'll just be like what happened on that day. But that's why I, I get back to what I said. People are quick to jump on the bandwagon. Yep. yep, absolutely. You know, they've protested for nothing here yesterday. The only thing they've achieved is that they've put people's lives at risk yep. by possibly 
transmitting the COVID if they've got it. Yeah. That's all they've achieved. Yeah. Because one person can transmit that disease to 30 other people. Yeah, absolutely. Even more. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting seeing what the infection rate is if it goes up because of the protests. More importantly, I'm interested to see America and what it does over there because they already had the big problem. Now, at these protests, you see a quarter of the people wearing masks? No. This is a whole... I don't get it. I mean, are these people happy to put their lives at risk? Yeah. I wouldn't be putting my life at risk at the moment because if I get infected, right, and I go to work, I come in contact with maybe 40, 50 people a day. Yep. Right? I'm putting their lives at risk. Absolutely. They then go home and put their family lives at risk. Yep. I can't have that on my conscience. No. No, no, no. At, at, at work at the moment with us, they've spaced the tables in the lunchroom out. They've opened up yep. into the conference room and we're all... Yeah. And I went to sit with one guy. Yeah. But like, we're sitting at a table and I was way across the table from him. Yeah. And I know... He, has, he lives with his elderly mother. Yeah. And I go, are you comfortable with me sitting here? He goes, no. I was like, okay, sure. And I moved. Mm. And then now, every day, I go in there and I'm like, I actually think not about him, but I think about his mum. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I can't sit with him. Because mm. if something happened to his mum and it was because of me, you're like, whew, whew. We've got a guy at work. <laughs> He's a character. His wife's got cancer. Mm-hmm. She's dying. Yep. I said to him, I said, dude, how are you coping? How's your wife coping? How are you coping coming to work? And he goes, I have to come to work. I've got to earn money. Yep. So he's putting his, you know, he, he's coming to work you know, to put food on the tables for his family, but he's putting his life at risk. I mm. mean, we're lucky that there's no... COVID within ourselves at work there's been tests done and all that sort of shit and you know um, but when no one's tested positive and that's great yeah. but if someone were to test positive at work he comes in contact with a lot of people as well mm-hmm. you know I mean he goes home and gives this to his wife yeah. and, that's, and this is where people don't think about it and this is where the protests yesterday I don't think people thought about you know the consequences of their actions again don't disagree with the protest, disagree with the timing of it. Yep, yep. So, but this is the world we're at at the moment. It's. Have you ever taken part in a protest? No. Ever? No. We've never been to a rally. No. <laughs> I don't see the point. I don't see the point. I really, so I think, you know, I don't, I, I, listen, I'm pretty easy going. Um, I go with the flow, but I mean, people obviously sometimes, you know, get emotional about things. Yeah. And this is an emotional thing. Sure. When I was watching the protest yesterday, I was like, I saw all these young white girls walking. And I'm like, what have you done? Like, you're there, marching, protesting. Good on you. Mm. Okay. More people. Mm. I don't get but why don't you go and help an in, in indigenous community? 100%. Oh, <laughs> they, they would not do that. For me to go and protest, I would feel like such... A hypocrite. I would feel like a imposter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but people do this to be seen. Yeah. It's the in thing to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
and that's this is why people jump in the bandwagon because it's the in thing to do. It's just like sports. Your team's doing great. Everyone's out there to watch them. Fair weather supporters. Yep. Fair weather supporters. Right. Absolutely. Your team's doing shit. You're not going to go to the footy, are you? Unless you are a die-hard supporter, where you actually are a paid-up member. Yep. And you go in week in, week out. You go through the good and yep. the bad. Yep. Right. We'll go go watch go watch Manly run around on a Monday night when they're losing. Exactly right. Five thousand. Exactly right. So it's 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 people like to be seen. Oh, guess what I did on the week? I was at the protest. What yep. are you doing? Yeah. But tell them to go do something to help these people out physically, like you said. Okay. No chance. No go. No. No. But the um. In a way, I uh. I go like it's, it has its pros and cons because the pros of it is, um. Like, they're getting more people there. If they had five people at the rally, no one's going to stand up and take notes. If they have 30,000, but 25,000 of them are people like that. Yeah. At least they were there and the government stands up and takes notice. Do they? <laughs> Good question. I mean, Scotty, <laughs> Scotty Morrison did not want that to go through. No. He did not want it to go on. No. I'm, I'm surprised that the Supreme Court actually allowed it. I think they had no choice. They're seeing what's going on in the world, and they're like... <laughs> I mean, Australia's not known for rioting and looting and that kind no. of thing. But did you did they want to take that chance? It was going to happen no matter what. Yeah, I guess like the whole rally. Yeah, yeah. it was going to happen no matter what. So, but yeah. But if they don't say yes to it, and it still happens, and they start arresting people, it's going to go haywire. I think that's what the Supreme Court was probably looking at. You know, they don't want the trouble. Yeah. That's, Absolutely. You know, I mean, there was some trouble at that central station last night. I think a couple of people got arrested. I think one idiot had a go at a female police officer and got arrested for it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, dude. Seriously. You know, you, you, can't, you can't not mess with the cops. No. Especially no. a female police officer. No, they're not going to take that. They're not going to stand for they're that. They're not going to stand for it. No. It's just like, you know, the the kid in the park where the, you know, the the police officer took his legs. After the kid said to him, I'm going to break your jaw. <laughs> so what respect do we have the people looking after us? Yeah. And yeah. this is what's wrong with a whole heap of younger generation kids is that there's a lack of respect. This kid was, uh, what, he was, wasn't even 18. Couldn't tell you. Right. Don't know how old he was. But you don't go to a cop or I'm going to break your jaw. You can no. have to expect some retaliation. No, no, no. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it's... When that story came out, because that was the same day the George Floyd thing happened. Correct. Yeah, people were like, same day, a cop does this to an Indigenous man in the park. Yep. It's like, hang on, like, I would like to know the full story here. Yeah. And when you hear the full story, you're like... Yeah. I mean, I'll admit, like, and you probably, when you were younger... You've seen police, though. Four police jump on someone's back. Oh, And mate. you're like, okay, this is excessive, and it's been going on for a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, in that situation, I'd like to know the whole situation. Yep. Did the cop use excessive force? But maybe he did. Maybe, like, if he was already handcuffed, and he's like, I'm going to break your jaw. It's like, okay, whatever. Just, yep. like, get in the back of the cop car. Yeah. But if they had to put him in handcuffs and he was resisting, then That's put him into the story. different story. Yeah, yeah. So... 
when I heard that, I was like, I know I want to know this whole story. <laughs> like, because I've seen, I've seen police do some bloody awful things, pepper spray people for no reason. You're like, why are you doing that? I had friends in the force in Melbourne. Yeah. Right. And stories that I've heard, what they've told me, right, I'm thinking, far out, seriously. I mean, especially in, in those days, back in when I was, oh, I don't know, early 20s, and they were in the force. So in mid-90s? Uh, would have been, yeah, mid-90s, mid-90s, um, probably even late 80s, late 80s. Mm. Um, there wasn't too much of what we see today, but there was a lot of people who were drunk drivers and all that sort yep. of shit. What they used to do to these guys in the back of the cells. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They used to, right, and I mean, this is what I've been told. Haven't seen it, yeah. right? Haven't seen it from my own eyes, but this is what I've been told, and I believe these guys, right? Yeah. They put them in the back of the cells, right? They would get telephone books, the old yellow pages. Yeah. They would stick it in underneath their tops and yeah. then just whack the shit out of them with batons. Really? Yeah. So the cops would put the telephone books under. Mm -hmm. Why were they putting telephone books under? No bruising. Oh, so they put it under the. So they would put it underneath the guys. Oh, really? Yeah. So there would be no bruising. And then they used to go to town. Yeah. Oof. That's how they used to tr uh, treat drink drivers. And it was drink drivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's that. Listen. Well, back then you had to be pretty bloody drunk to get pulled over. <laughs> Was there, no, well, was there RBTs back then? Yeah. Bloody oath there was. There was always there was always testing. Not in the scale that it is today, but there was always testing. Yeah. I yeah. remember getting pulled over in my you know, mid-twenties and stuff like that. Oh, mate. My, listen, I'm guilty of drink driving. Yeah. Done it a couple of times. A couple of times I don't know how I got home. Really? Shit, yeah. You know, I've... I've never, I've never been blind drunk and drive. Never. I've done it a couple of times, right? Um, I was fortunate enough um, to have a job uh, with a group who owned half a dozen supermarkets down in Melbourne. And perks of, the, of working there were that you would get invited into the box at the MCG to go and watch the football by the likes of Cadbury, Steggles, yada, yada, yada. Okay. And it's full on, right? Free grog, free food, you're just drinking and eating all afternoon, right? Yeah. Um, I remember one night um, we were in the Cadbury's box, I think it was, and we were just drinking, 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 drinking. We did more drinking than eating. Mm. And I left my car at, at a mate's place. We took the cab back there and I thought, shit, should I be driving? And I was like, oh, fuck it, it's only like 20 minutes from home. I drove the back streets all the way home. Um, but yeah, you did it in those days. Would I take the risk now? No chance. Do I drink like I used to? No way. <laughs> Especially if Cabri's is putting something on. Oh, mate, the Cabri's box was the best. What was it? Oh, man, you get in there, right? And there's just like, if you like Cabri's chocolate. At the G? Yeah, at the yeah. G. Um, the, the box was full of chocolates. There was chocolates everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, and there was a three-course meal, and the grog was just free-flowing, free-flowing, free-flowing. Yeah. Those, those were the good old days. Yeah. Um, anytime you got invited into a box, 
um, you knew you were going to be looked after the whole day. Back then, it would have been mid nineties. I was going to, even like out of Penrith. Yeah, Dad was invited to with a through a concrete company. Yeah, and I can remember the alcohol just in, in Penrith Stadium boxes. Yeah. yeah. So at the G, I couldn't imagine what it would be like. Oh mate, I mean by that time, I think downstairs they were serving mid strength, but up okay. in the box, whatever you wanted. Really? Yeah. Was serving mid strength back then. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, they smartened up and they were saying four at a time or whatever. But, um, yeah, in the box, spirits, alcohol, uh, beer, wine, anything you wanted. It, yeah, was, right. it was just full on. Yeah, right. Who did you work for at that time? I worked for um, uh, a guy by the name of Bill Sims. Um, him and his group owned six supermarkets, I think, at the time, under the banner of Sims Supermarkets. Right. Um, was it just were they like IJ's Independence IJ's okay. Food Works I, I was there probably three or four years from that time they went from an IJ to a food work back to an IJ and then they ended up selling out to uh, Woolworths oh really yeah so Woolworths ended up buying three of their stores okay um, he would never sell the Footscray store because that was his dad's right right and you're the accountant yeah okay I was the office manager uh, finance person okay so I looked after all their um, all their finances and their and the yeah, the main office, right, which was based out of Footscray in Melbourne. Okay. So um, easy going boss. Oh yeah. Easy going boss, but yeah, I mean Italians. No, he was an Aussie. Oh, what, really? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was an Aussie. Um, they started off. His old man started off. Back in the fifties, I think it was. Right. Bought the original store at. Um, in Footscray, they then expanded. They were known as Tuckerbag at one stage. Right, gone um, through a few name changes. Oh yeah, the independents do. Because yeah. wherever they can get the best deal. Okay. Right, from, you know, so you've got the, the likes of IGA. I mean, they've got their own warehouses you buy for them, food works, they've got their own. But they try and support the independents more than, you know, because you know, you're trying to compete against your Woolworths, your Coles. Yeah. So, yep, yep, yep. you know, the IJs are always going to try and compete against those guys. And, sure. But, yeah. Well, they never can really compete against them, can they? They don't have the buying power. No, exactly. They exactly. You don't have the buying power. Um, and the margins in supermarkets, are, when, when I was back there, on some of the lines, you're probably making 1% to 2%. Really? Yeah. There was nothing. So small, so small. Anthony, I in those back in those Far days, out. I was writing checks by hand. There was no way of not negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have in a in a box. I would have all the checks written out to the suppliers. Yep. Right. So it used to go like this: you pay your your um, your food works or your, or your IGA first. You pay your your, your staff. Yep. And then. Whatever money was left over, you would pay out to um, the other suppliers, the other small ones. So it's always staff first. Though. Staff first. Yep. You always look after your staff. So you looked after the, the staff and the main supplier, which was either IGA or Foodworks, um, and then you looked after the others. And I could have up to 100 checks sitting in this box that I could have written three weeks ago that I haven't posted. Oh, really? Oh, God, yeah. It's because the margins were so slow so low that you had to depending on cash flow yep. 
right, was that when you, you start giving out checks and right. I knew exactly how much was on them because I hadn't written in pencil exactly how much was on that check. I'd have to look on the bank every day, see how much money we had yep. and then, you know, pay it out. And distribute it. Yeah. Oh, it was interesting times. Sounds like a bloody risky model. In a way, like... If, you, if it's managed, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, if okay. it's mismanaged, you're getting yourself into trouble. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. We were never trading insolvent. Well, fair enough. That's good. Because I managed the cash flow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you learn how to lie. I'm sure. I mean, you got suppliers knocking on your door. Oh, I could imagine. So you learn how to lie really well. But were they on like 30-day or 90-day contracts? Or Most what? of them were 30 days end of month. So you had 60 days on some. Okay. Right, so at the end of the month, they give you a statement that says six amount of dollars. You've got to pay that within 30 days. Yeah. I would take some out to 120, 150 days if I could. Really? Gotcha. And would they start calling every day? Some did. Some did. No, it's the same. Come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. We'll find everybody an extra 60 days. <laughs> yeah. We'll put you on stop. Mate, fine, put me on stop. I'll go get, you, I'll go get the similar products off someone else. Yeah, okay. So that's what it's okay. always like. Yeah, but it was, you know, frustrating at times. Very frustrating. Yeah. Because, you, you know, you don't want to not pay people, but, you know, when you're working on 1% to 2% margins. Is that for most products? Or is that the, the lower It was end? a lot of lines. A lot really? of lines. Oh, God. So, so what do you think Woolworths is, is, is working on at the moment? I wouldn't have a clue what they're working on at the moment. But they're on turnover. I mean, they've got yeah. supermarkets all over the joint. Absolutely. They're on turnover. They do massive turnover. So. But I wonder if they're still only like 3 4%. It wouldn't be much. Really? It wouldn't be much. Supermarkets don't make a lot of money. They, in my mind. They turn over a lot, so they, the revenue is a lot, right? Yeah. But their overheads are... And their waste. Oh, their waste is massive. Waste. I remember in, even in working down at Footscray, the amount of waste that, you know, that would go through, especially in your perishables. Really? Fruit, yeah. veg, um, your stock in, the, in freezers and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a lot of wastage. Yeah, right. You know, bakeries. What kind of percentage of waste? Do you remember or not? Sorry, this has turned into a... <laughs> oh, um, fruit and veg... There was probably maybe a ten to fifteen percent waste each. Okay. Okay. In those days. There's still a lot. I mean like it's Yeah. And in those days it was almost like if you only make one or two percent, it's almost like your margin. Yeah. Well the, in those days also don't forget there was not a lot of importing stuff. So it was only seasonable. You know, you worked on seasons. Yeah. So whatever was in that season you would sell. Okay. Not like now, for example. Now um, you could eat an apple that was picked four months ago. Cool stores, yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, they, I mean, you know, you can get asparagus now all, all year round. Yeah, I bought asparagus yesterday and it was from Mexico. Really, yeah. When you buy food now, do you look at where it's from? Of course, I do. With stuff like that, I sometimes look, I always look, but then sometimes, like, I just buy, oh, asparagus, it must be from well, you, you, out you, west somewhere. <laughs> you got to think, right. Asparagus comes in from overseas and uh, they fly it in because of the shelf life. Okay. Right? So asparagus at the moment is quite dear, right? So, so from the time an asparagus is picked to the time you can eat it? Yeah, you're probably looking at it a, a good two weeks before you even eat an asparagus that's picked overseas. Really? Yeah. And how long will, will that last though? Asparagus, I don't think it's, it depends on how you store it too, I suppose. 
I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, right. I'm not sure. But I mean, you you you, you can tell the difference. Stalks are dry at the bottom. Oh yeah, absolutely. Whereas that when you when our se- when our season begins, you can see the stalks are different. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, but yeah, it can easily like two two weeks. I wonder if Mexico's a big asparagus producing. Yeah, must be. If we're getting it, began around the world. Sure. I know. I know it goes to the UK as well. Yeah. If it's coming here, it's going to go. We're probably furthest away. Exactly right. Oh, from Mexico? Not really. Do you think England's further? Uh, it's probably Mexico's probably halfway because you got to think we're on the other side of the Pacific. They're yeah. on the other side of the Indian. So, but you put it on a plane within. Oh, what is that? Probably Mexico would be what 10, 12 hours maybe from both sides. Fourteen. Yeah. I think it takes us to LA. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you got to think it's got to be picked, packed flown over if it's got to go into quarantine and get sprayed yep yeah some of it could be two weeks old by the time you eat it yeah yeah where if it's grown locally you'd be in the shelf a couple of days after it's picked yeah absolutely so but yeah the stalks are always the giveaway you can see you can see they're dry does it put you off buying uh if you certain thought, products, yes. Like I wouldn't buy. Like I don't buy um, stone fruit from America. Oh no. 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 Even though it's in season over there and it brings it over here, because you got to think when it comes over here, right? And it goes through quarantine. It get, they they got to treat it for bugs. Yeah. And the sprays they put on it. Who knows? Who knows? Well, you know. Well, I do know some of it. <laughs> hey, so you're in the you're in the know. <laughs> And you wouldn't eat it, so... Oh, I don't eat anything stone fruit from America. No. No. I love asparagus, and that's why I'll probably buy it. But, you know, if I didn't love it so much, no, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's plenty of other food we can eat that's produced locally. I mean, I'm always into trying to buy locally stuff. Yeah. You know, buy stuff that's in season, because fresher, it's better. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's like apples at the moment. They're, you know... Um, they're in season, so your apples are really good at the moment. I wonder how many people are aware of that. Not a lot. Yeah, like, even you walk into to, to, to Woolworths or whatever. Not a lot. People are like, oh, an apple. Yeah. Oh, asparagus. Yeah. Where's this from? Oh, peaches are here. Oh, it's not peach season. Yeah, of course, because it comes from overseas. Yeah. When I was a kid... Like, um, I won't touch watermelon. The, I saw a whole heap of watermelon at Woolworths the other day. I will not touch no, it at the moment. It's not like, in season. Exactly. It's winter. I mean, even if it's grown in the tropics up north, it's still winter. It's not going to be the sweet. Yeah. You know? When I was a kid, um, and I'm talk- talking my early teens, 12, 13, 14, um, my uncle had a tomato farm down in, um, in Victoria, country Victoria. And he would um, grow 100, 150 acres of tomatoes. And his main um, income would be tomatoes picked to make to make tomato sauce. Yep. Okay. But there was at that time they used to pick um, early season tomatoes, and they used to be what they used to call semi-ripe tomatoes, right? And these tomatoes would be picked and put in cool stores. Yep. Gas or whatever to make them extend their life, and they would then be sold after the season had finished. Yeah. Okay. And this is like in the early 80s okay right so we you'd have to pick them by size by color um and they would go in the cool store and they would stay there okay so it's you know you say cool store frozen or just 
kept in a cold climate, not frozen. Okay. Kept in a real cold climate. And they lasted? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's like all apples and stuff like that. Everything goes into a cool store. I thought with the tomatoes, because uh, they're a bit... But that's why they spray them. Yeah, right. To make them last longer. And we're eating those chemicals straight up. Of course we are. Put it this way. Far out. Put it this way. <laughs> we're used to... we, um, And I don't know exactly what it was, but when we were watering the tomatoes, um, to make them... So when you want to do t- picking for, t- for sauce, you want to pick them straight away. Yep. Right? So you want to ripe them all in one go. Yep. Right? So they used to put this little pink bead and um, it, was, it was some sort of um, chemical that would release into the tomato roots to make the tomatoes go ripe quick. Okay. Right? So you'd throw a cup of it yep. in, in each of the... Um, so they'd have rows and rows and rows and you'd throw it in the row and then you'd put water in there and that would ripen the tomato straight away instead of ripening naturally yeah right we're talking natural ripen how long well, it depends on how on on the tomato mm. itself the tomato plant itself so the tomato plant could carry probably um you know two or three kilos of tomatoes right yeah. they're not going to ripen all at the same time no no but, but this bead that they ripen all exactly the same time yeah really yeah yeah, see, and in half the time, in half, in half the time, right? Wow. Because you got to think, when they were doing machine harvesting, yeah, they would pick, and the machine would pick, a hundred uh, acres of tomatoes a day, and yeah. you want them all at the one go. Sure, you, want you don't all, want to go going exactly. Back. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been eating this stuff chemically enhanced for a long time, and that's why I I believe you, you take a look at. Your grandparents, my grandparents, yeah. they were in their 80s, late 80s when they died, yeah. right? They grew their own veg. Sure. They made their own homemade tomato sauce. Sure. Homemade wine. No preservatives. It was all, you picked it when it was ripe. Sure. So they didn't die of cancer and all that sort of shit. They died of old age. Sure. I believe a lot of the stuff, all the medical problems that people are having today is because of what we eat and how we eat it. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be, there's got to be some kind of correlation. Has, Has to, to be. be. Has to be. There's, 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 no, there's no two ways about it. No. No. I mean, you know, people who live off the land go catch a rabbit or whatever, kill a goat, a sheep or whatever, and they, and they cook it and eat it themselves. Yep. It's so much better for you sure. than, you know stuff that we pick up from a supermarket but you've been pretty conscious about what you over the last few years i've had to like so so that's actually what i was going to get into mm. look what your change that you've gone of yep from like what five years ago uh t- I, 2013 was when i was diagnosed type 2 diabetes right so seven so, years ago? Yeah, so seven years ago. Is that when you got into the running? Yeah. Back seven years ago, already seven years. Yeah, yeah. So when you got diagnosed type 2 diabetes, yep. what went through your head straight up? I thought, shit, okay, all right. So started off from the, in your 40s, you start to think a little bit about your um, your health and all that sort of shit. So yep. you start going to have checkups, you start get blood tests and stuff like that. 
So this came out from a normal blood test that my sugar levels were high, so they sent me... And how old were you? Sorry to interrupt you. I was 40... Well, seven years ago. I'm going to be 52 now. So 44. I was about 44. Right. Um, So they sent me to do a glucose test where you drink this sugary shit. Two hours later, you go back and do the test. And I spiked at about 15. Whoa. Yeah. I spiked at about 15. So doctor goes to me, all right, you're going to have to go on a tablet you know, you're gonna have to take a tablet for this, tablet for that. I think he wanted to put me on two or three different tablets. Blood pressure was high at that stage too. I said, no. What were you weighing in at that time? Over 100 kilos. Okay. And what was your physical activity like at that time? Nil. Okay. None. I went from playing sport as a young kid into my mid twenties and then just to nothing. So you're pretty sporty. I was very active, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then then at what age did you just like stop everything? Probably mid-twenties. Really? Yeah, mid-twenties. And the diet just went downhill from there? And the diet went downhill from there. Drinking? Drinking, eating junk food, um, snacked on chips and all that sort of stuff. Just didn't really... Original stuff. Exactly right, you know. Um, So, yeah, it's probably from my mid-twenties onwards maybe late 20s because i was still playing indoor cricket in my mid to late 20s so probably late 20s early 30s is when i really stopped and went through probably a 10 year period where you know i never made my own lunch i'd always buy lunch it was always junk food um you go out you eat you drink yeah all that sort of stuff so i really let myself go um but it was the lack of physical activity that did it yeah you know so yeah, get diagnosed and you know they want to put me on tablets and this and that. And I said, nah. Okay. I said, that's not happening. I said, give me three months and let me see if I can make a, a change in my own, by my own. I went and saw a dietitian, um, went and saw um, uh, like a PT sort of a person. Yep. Um, and that's when we started making the transition to losing all the weight. Yep. Um, and by diet and exercise, which I still try and control today. I'm pro- I mean, I haven't run a half marathon in three years. I'm looking at doing one hopefully in September. Okay. Um, if it goes ahead, because you don't know what's going to happen at the moment. No. Um, I haven't want as I haven't run one in three years, um, but I've kept up the exercise. Not as vi- vigilant as what I was, especially when I'm training. So, so, so let's get back to before we get ahead of ourselves. What do yeah. we get back to? The three months went went on. Yep. You changed everything. Yep. You went back to the doctor. Yep. After three months, and how are your results? So I went from having a sugar level of fifteen after the glucose test. Three months later, it was down to five. Wow. And so, what changes did you do to get it back down to five? I. Like what? What would be a typical night's dinner? Typical pre, night's dinner. Pre. Pre. Put it this way. Put it this way. On a Friday night, your your mum and I used to go and get fish and chips from the local fish and chip joint. They had like a deal for I think eleven, twelve bucks. You'd get two pieces of fish, chips, um, dim sims. I think there was a couple of potato cakes in there as well. Yeah, okay. All Everything. All the fried stuff. All the fried stuff. For twelve dollars. For twelve bucks. You can understand why people do it. And a co- and a can of coke. Oh my god. <laughs> you can understand so you got all that fat plus all that sugar. All the sugar, exactly. 
that's heart attack stuff. That's heart attack stuff. I was, I was, I was heading for a heart attack. I really was. I really, really was. I mean, my um, cholesterol was through the roof. Sugar was through the roof. I had high blood pressure. All everything for a heart attack. Yep. Or a stroke. And zero exercise. And zero exercise. So so. So within three months, you got it all down. I started walking. I couldn't run. I because my knees. By playing footy in my younger days, my knees were always, you know, I mean, I, I hurt both my knees at footy. Um, so, and being overweight, I couldn't run. I remember... You can't, you can't go from nothing no, no. and 100, over 100 kilos to running 5K. No, <laughs> like, you, no. You can't do that. No, but I did within five months. Within five months? But I'm actually less. How, how strictly were you out walking every day? Every day. How many Ks a day? I don't know how many k's a day, but I try and walk for an hour. So you'd walk it so every to day begin with, you'd to walk begin with one hour yep. straight up. Yep. You change your diet. Change my diet. So I went from um, no breakfast in the morning. Yep. Junk food at lunchtime. Yep. Right, because I'd go buy lunch, um, and whatever it and was, the fish at and, chips night, and, the fish and chips at night, whatever it might have been, to thirty grams of special K okay. in the morning with. Um, uh, non-fat milk. I, I get Zimmel, the light yep. Zimmel. Um, I started taking my lunch to work. I used to take a, and I was two two to this day, a tuna salad. Okay. Right. And then at night time, it was a hundred grams of protein with steamed veggies or um, a, a salad again. But what I would do is I would have hundred grams of protein, one lettuce leaf, one slice of tomato. Okay. And that was and that was my diet. How? I mean, it must have been hard to change. How hard was it to change? Hard because, you know, at night time, I would snack on crisps, chocolate, yep. whatever, and then all of a sudden you you can't do that anymore. Yep. So it's like. Did okay. you go cold turkey or did you cold wean turkey. yourself off? Cold turkey. Straight away. Straight away. Cold yep. turkey. Um, that's the only way to do it. Yeah, I okay. believe in anything to give up anything. It's a habit. You gotta break the habit. Take gotta 20, break the habit. Takes twenty-one days to break. Twenty-one the habit. days, exactly, hundred percent. You get through the first twenty-one days, you're fine. Okay. Right. Um, so I would at night time instead of snacking on crap, I'd have a handful of nuts. Okay. Right. Um, Did you? I mean, how educated were you? Did you just get on Google and have to research all this? No. Or? No, I saw the dietitian twice. And okay. And then from there, we bought. Your mum bought a diabetes magazine, okay. which had recipes in it, right. right? So it's all food for diabetics. Um, and we started buying those magazines every quarter. Right? Okay. And that's and that helped me get different recipes because, you know, you got to try and make mix up the food, sure. make it interesting, exactly. Um, so we, we started using those and we still do today. Yeah. Got recipes from that. Um and from there, I, I started eating their food. Okay. Right. So that was the only thing that we did. Didn't go on Google. Didn't do any of that. Um, saw the dietitian twice. Saw the PT a couple of times. Everything else I did on my own. Right. Because I had that mindset. It's just willpower and mindset. Yeah. It's amazing how, how, how strong your mind can be. Absolutely. When you put yourself to it. Absolutely. But it took that, it took that doctor's... Took that doctor, that diagnosis of... You got type 2 diabetes to do it. What made you go to... Did you go to the doctor just for a general checkup? General checkup. Being over 40. Everyone says, 
as soon as you start getting to 40, you need to go to the doctors to get yourself checked. Oh, maybe I need to go. You should need to go to the doctors <laughs> to get yourself checked. But it, it doesn't hurt. Every couple of years, have some blood tests. Make sure your sugar levels are right. Make sure your, your, um, uh, your cholesterol's good. Um, and make sure that um, blood pressure. Okay. They're the top three. Okay. You should every couple of years go and do go and get yourself tested. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get, go get some blood work done. No, it doesn't hurt, Anthony. No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't right. hurt, and for some peace of mind. But I mean, you exercise, you go out and see if you're not overweight. You do watch what you eat, yep. right? Yes. So, I wasn't. I was 102 kilos. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But that's interesting. Like, so you change the diet. You started working an hour a day. Yep. And no matter what, rain, hail or shine. Rain, hail or shine, I was out there. Yep. You, you got home from work, you didn't sit down or anything. Nope. You just straight out. straight out. Straight out. Straight out. Straight out. And then, and then after, the first, after the first week of walking an yep. hour a day, yep. how was your body feeling? Because well, a, a lot of people, they don't do it because they're like, it hurts. And they, they, they use that excuse of the knees on when I got bad knees. I mean, like, well, it's easy for me to sit here and say it's an excuse, but you went through it. How was it? I mean, I mean, the body does hurt, when, especially when you don't exercise for such a long time. I didn't exercise at all. You got to think for probably a good 15, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. Yeah. So the body did ache. Sure. Um, sure. Hot baths helped me a lot. Really? Oh God, yeah. I was in a hot bath just to relax the muscles. The muscles, the muscles. You're using muscles that you hadn't used in a long time, and they were sore. And you're carrying um, 100 kilos around. Yeah, That's... yeah. Back was sore. Okay. So I'm using Voltaren on my back because my back was sore. I'm using Voltaren on my knees because my knees were sore. Okay. Um, but, you know, it was like, you need to do, you've got to push through this pain, dude. Okay. Unless you want to start taking tablets and this and that, you know, because, you know, that, that was going through my mind. And it still does to today. Okay. Yep. It still goes through, you know, it's like, you know, okay, you can't have that second piece of pavlova, even though you want it, or the second piece of cheese, cheesecake because... You're going to go back to where you were. Yeah. And it's always conscious on my mind, even to this day, that if I do let myself go, I'm going to go backwards. Sure. You know? So, yeah, my body was sore. Yeah. But the more I did it... Less sore it became. Less sore it became. The more weight I was losing, the less pain I was getting in my knees and in my back to the point that I wasn't using Voltaren anymore. Um... When I started running, um, I was, you know, in a bit of pain, right? The joints were sore, the muscles were sore. How long were you walking an hour for before you go, okay, I'm going to pick it up and start running? Probably about a month or so. Oh, really? And so I'll tell quick. you, yeah, here, you know, I'll tell you why. <laughs> you know, remember the lake? Yeah. Down at what's it called? The the Carol- we've run it. Yeah, at Caroline Springs. I started walking there on a Saturday and Sunday morning, and there used to be this old lady. She hadn't been in, in her 70s. Easy. Yeah. Easy, right? And she would, she wasn't running fast, but she was running, right, jogging. And I'm thinking, hang on a tick. If she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> Great motivation. Right? 70 year old lady. You know, I mean, apart from wanting to bloody push her into the lake because she was running <laughs> past me, I'm thinking, if she can do it, I can do it, right? Yeah. So, 50 yards. Was, yep. my, was my first run. Has to start with a step, doesn't it? Breathing heavily. Okay. Like, oh, I was 50 yards and I was puffed. I Did was, you stop him with hands on the knees? I was fucking, I'm going, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing to myself here, you know? 
It's like, oh, I'm going, and I'm, bringing, I'm trying to catch my breath. 50 yards turned into 100. 100 turned into two. All the way around the circumference was about 1.7, 1.8 k's, right? Is that what it is around that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 1.7, 1.8 k's. Half a lap, three quarters of a lap, full lap, and so on and so on. Until I built up, I was running 18 k's on a Saturday morning around that lake. Wow. Yeah. And how did you, like, how long did it take from that initial one hour walk to running 18, 18 kilometers is a long time. I've never run 18 kilometers. I did 16 yesterday. That's what I mean. Like, but like initially, how? It's a six, six month period. You're from that in a six month period, just from dieting. Yep. Walking every day. Yep. And then start running. Yep. And you got to that in a six month period. Six month period. Wow. Put it this way. I, I started, this would have, would have been in July of 2013 when I was diagnosed, I think. I ran Run for the Kids in the year after, 2014, um, in the March, I think it was, and that was 15 Ks, mm -hmm. and I did that in an hour and a quarter, five minute Ks. Wow. So less than a year. In less than a year, you're doing five minute Ks. And in May of that year, I ran my first half. Okay. Right, and I did it in an hour and 43. So that's basically 11 months, was it? 11 months. Wow. An hour 43. Is and that, what, was that five, five minute case? Five, it was just under a five minute case. That's for a half, a half marathon. That's, that's yeah. good going. And I went from 102 kilos to 68 kilos. Wow. How quick were you, were you dropping that weight? Quick, quick. Once I started, once, once I was dieting, yeah. right, it was quick. It was quick to come off. I reckon I lost, I lost probably 30 kilos within the first... Six months. Wow. Yeah. How were you getting addicted to the numbers on the scales? I wasn't getting addicted because I didn't want to get disappointed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because how often would you weigh yourself? Once a week. Okay. Once a week. Right. But I knew that I was losing a lot of weight because of the clothes. Within that six months, I had to change my wardrobe twice. Wow. Yeah. Twice in the first six months. And how were you feeling? Oh. Amazing. Fittest were, I was ever. Were you, were, you, were you waking up more energized? Waking up with a lot of energy, um, sleeping well. Okay. Okay, sleeping well. Uh, how important was the sleep? Sleep's very important because your body recovers. Eight hours a night? Uh, I've never been an eight hour person I've, because I'm a very light sleeper. Okay. Right. But um, you, you do need to get your rest to recover. Put it this way, I, I could run 18Ks on a Saturday morning um, and then the next morning I would do probably another 6, 7, 8K walk, right? And my recovery between the run and the next day, I would be in no pain at all. Really? Yeah, yeah, I used to be, you know, and I, and I am these days. I'm, I, you know, as you get older, you do tend to take a little bit longer to recover from a run, but, um, you know, I wake up in the morning and it's like I didn't do the run yesterday. Okay. okay. I don't feel anything. That's amazing, isn't it? Oh, you got to think within six months to do that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. To run to run fifteen k's at five minute k's. I think it was. 
I did I did an an hour and fifteen. I think it was five minute and two k's. Five minute and yeah, five minute and two second k's was that fifteen run. Okay. Fifteen kilometer run, and I thought, oh, geez, I can do a half marathon. I reckon it's only another six k's. It's not that yeah. much. You're feeling fine after the fifteen. Oh, mate, I wasn't even I wasn't even huffing and puffing compared to that first twenty meter run that I did. It's amazing. Oh yeah. But you, it's consistency. You've seen me at a ha- end of a half marathon. Yeah. I certainly have, yeah. And I, I am not huffing and puffing. No. How would you go a full? That was always in the back of my mind, could I do a full? And yeah. I reckon with the proper training and, and diet, I could. Yeah. But... It's commitment. It's commitment plus. But... You say it's commitment plus. We're 13 years down the track from when you did that first run, that mm. first hour walk. We're yeah. 13 years down the track. Well, eight years. Eight years. 2000 and... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Eight, eight years. years. Yeah. Eight years down the track. And you're running 15Ks every, every, every Saturday? I've started building. So I started um, well, probably two months ago at 14. Okay. Right. I'm now up to 16. Within the next six weeks, I want to be at 18. Okay. Okay. So, like, you've consistently run, though, this for the last eight years? Yeah. 100%. And uh, do you feel like if you just stop running now, that you're going to go back to... Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's always in the back of the mind. And, like, a lot of people, a lot of bigger people that haven't trained for a while, mm. they go, I don't do it because it hurts too much. It's an excuse. It's com- yeah, it is. and my, my answer to them always is, do you think it doesn't hurt for fit people? Oh, mate. <laughs> my, it still hurts, doesn't it? it bloody oath it does. But, I mean, I mean, my runs are Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. Monday and Wednesdays are my quick runs. What we're talking? We're talking, let's say, 10K. I did 10.5Ks on a Monday night, and I try and do that in under 5.5-minute Ks. Okay. Right. That hurts. Sure. Yeah, especially where I'm running, there's a little bit of hills and stuff like that, especially the last hill. I'm sucking in the big ones at the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, really sucking, especially going up the hill, uh, you know, but recovery's quick. Okay. The fitter you get, the quicker you recover. Yep. Right. My Saturday run is slower and it's designed to be slower so I can run further. I don't want to be losing a lot of energy quick. So my... Yesterday I did 16 Ks and I did that in six minute Ks. Okay. Which at this point in time is pretty good. Yeah. I'm happy to, with that. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, if I do run this half marathon in September, which will mean no drinking, no smoking, um, you know, really strict on the diet again, um, I would be doing sprint sessions. Like I'm not doing any sprints at the moment. Interval work is, is, is important. Yep. And this is what I've learned. What I learned from talking to people who run half marathons and marathons and stuff like that, is that, you know, you've got to build your um, your core, you've got to build your lungs up, and you've got to be able to call on a sprint at any time, you know, especially towards the end of the half marathon, you've got to have that energy. Yeah. And you do that by, you know, by interval work. What I used to do, um, I used to go to a footy oval, and I used to run around the footy oval, but what I would do is sprint a quarter, jog a quarter, sprint a quarter, jog a quarter, do that again, then I would sprint a half, jog a half, sprint a half, jog a half, sprint a full, okay, jog a full, 
It'll be a couple of hour session. So that, yeah, it was a couple hour session there, just doing that sort of work. And that just builds your stamina. It's amazing how it builds your stamina. What about any other like um, crossover, like swimming, weights? I have never been a gym person. Yep. Hate being indoors, doing that stuff. I can understand. Hate it. I need fresh air. I don't need, you know, I was doing a bit of bike work back back, back in Melbourne. I did join a gym and I was doing... um, they used to have classes where you do, I can't remember what, they, what it was called, but you get on a bike and you do a 45 minute class on a bike, yep. right? Um, so I would do that um, and that build a little bit more stamina, a bit more strength in the legs. Um, but weights, nah, okay. not, not for me. I actually did buy some weights because well, when, when we go back and when I did that first PT with that person, she said, listen, you need to do some weights, you know, you need to do some bit of cross training. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did do it, but I don't, it's not for me. Yeah. I don't like it. Um, I remember I, I, through work, I met this guy, uh, an older gentleman who was still running, believe it or not. And he, he expressed the importance of doing cross training. Okay. Right. Um, and he goes for him to get into the gym and do some weights and snap, not heavy weights or whatever, but just to push a little bit of, you know, bit of iron he goes it's good for you you should do it but i could never get into it yeah to me it was just okay run yeah yeah just run. just move just, just run run Trans- t- running weights running is that that exercise where if i've put on a little i've put on a little bit i'm heaviest now i've ever been yeah and i know to drop this three four kilos that i want to drop i just got to get out there and run for the next month every, not even every day every second day and it will come off Hundred percent. The quickest way. Yeah. To get rid of it. Yeah. Well, I've dropped probably five kilos. So what are you weighing in at now? I'm at uh, seventy-eight. So you've, you've you've kept it off for eight years. Yeah. I mean, like, good on you. Is it? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I bet I've kept it off. How many people do you see who keep it off for two years? But that's because a lot of people diet and they go on these fads. Yeah. But they never work because they. You've got to be able to sustain it. So you've got to change your whole lifestyle. I changed my whole lifestyle, Anthony. Yeah. And that's and that's how I can maintain it today because I've changed my whole lifestyle. You found something that works for you. And that's what people don't get it. They think, oh, if I go on to Weight Watchers, if I do the man the shake, or, whatever. Yeah. That can only sustain for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. because eventually everyone plateaus. Yeah. And they go see the numbers and they go, it's not working. It's not working. So yeah. why am I doing it? Yeah, yeah, you know. Sure. So, but I, I found what works for me. What works for me doesn't work for someone else. The basics will. Yep. But you know, I mean, I, I know some uh, some friends that we have. They have lost weight, but they skip meals. Yeah. Well, if you're going down an intermittent fasting route, which I do every now and again. Yeah. You, you cannot sustain it. You can't, but I couldn't do that because I need the energy. But I do it for a month at a time, six weeks at a time. Yeah. And I mean, I feel fantastic when I do it, but I can't maintain it because I get to the point where I'm just like, I want to eat. Exactly right. <laughs> Anthony, I eat everything now in moderation. In moderation. That's the key, isn't it? Exactly. If I want to have a beer. You're still now, having those fish and chips every now and again, just not every week. Very rarely do I. On my, we, we do at work what we call um, a Fat Friday. Okay. We probably do that once a month. And that's my treat. Right. 
and that's my treat where I'll have probably a kebab um, or an egg and bacon roll or something like that. But it's once a month. It's once a month. Yeah. All right. Come the end of this month, if I'm really going to be serious about this half marathon in September, because then I'll have July, August and September, that's nearly three months, to really train up for that, I will go off of all of that. Yeah, okay. And really, you know, get my body in shape to run the half marathon. Yeah. I might be able to run the half marathon in six weeks when I can run 18Ks, but I won't be able to do it at a time that I'm happy with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, because I never used to worry about times. As you get down down the track, though, it's a natural natural evolution. First, it's cannot finish. Yep. Second, it's like cannot finish under two hours. Yeah. Third, how much can I smash that time by? Yeah. <laughs> when I ran when I ran the run for the kids of fifteen, right, I had no expectations. Um, when I looked at it online, because you get your results online, I was like, oh shit, I ran that in an hour and fifteen. That's five minute game. Like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. And then two months later when I did the half, one of the girls at work who was a fitness fanatic um, said to me, so what's your goal? Uh, yeah, to finish. Yeah. And she goes, no, no, you've got a time in mind. I said, oh, anything under two hours. Right? I, was, yeah. I wasn't expecting more than that. And then once again, like I ran it. I didn't even notice the clock on the thing. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have a Garmin or anything like that to track or all on the phone or whatever. The, that night on the Sunday night, on the, they post the results online yep. and they seen an hour and 43 and I thought, I've done that under five minute Ks. That's amazing. It's amazing. It was an achievement, right? Absolutely. And ever since then, I've been bloody looking at times and it's not, and it, it shouldn't be about times or anything like that. It should be, for me, because of my type two, it is maintaining, um, my weight, maintaining my fitness, um, and most of all, not having to worry about the type two. Have you worried about the type two ever since? Do you check your blood every day? No, I used to. And for the first three months, I used to prick my finger every day and um, three times a day. Okay. All right. Morning, lunch, and, um, and dinner. So you prick it before you eat, prick it an hour after, right? just to check your, your blood level, uh, your sugars in your blood are good. Um, once I was, I went for this, I think it was a third glucose test, um, where I was down to three. Wow, okay. Right, so I went from- 15. To three, three yeah. So 15 to five to three. Well, okay. Right, doctor said you don't need to do that stuff anymore. Really? Mm. So you haven't reversed the diabetes, you've just- You don't. You're always going to have type two diabetes. Okay. It's always going to be there. But just through people say, oh, "I don't have type two diabetes anymore." You do. It's always there. It's always there. I've just learned how to control it. Right. If you now have a piece of cheesecake, like you said before, mm. do you feel like it's spiking? No. Okay. No. It all made sense when, when I got diagnosed with type 2, it all made sense why I was having, um, sometimes when I'd get hungry, I'd get like the sweats. Okay. And it all made sense why I was getting it after I was diagnosed. It was because I was getting low on sugar. Right. I don't feel like I'm getting low on sugar anymore. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? 
So, so the telltale signs is that if you're getting the sweats. If you're getting sweats and when, you, when you're getting <laughs> get hungry, it's like, go and get tested. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about joining any run comps? The 440? There's one, one of the normal beaches called the Vipers. Yeah. No run comps? You're no. just a solitary runner. I'm just a solitary runner. Always been like that. I don't even listen to music when I run. Just the, the birds chirping? Just the birds chirping. My own thoughts. I, don't, I do a lot of thinking. You know, it's amazing that I've been, you know, working in stressful environments, especially um, with finance and everything, because you're running on deadlines. Mm-hmm. You've got to have things done. And so pre-exercising and all that, you'd bring it home and you'd stew on it, you wouldn't sleep at night, that sort of thing. Well, okay. Since I've been exercising, to me, that's my, okay, I'll start walking, I'll start running, and my stress levels will drop. Okay. Do you wish you found it earlier? I wish I never stopped exercising. From back in the mid-20s? Yeah. Any advice to those younger people that are just out drinking five nights a week? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> or do it as an exercise? Do it. I mean, when I was in uni, I'd yep. be out six of the seven nights. Yep. Right. Drinking and yeah. eating like kebabs at two or three o'clock in the morning. University right? life. Yeah. But I, I was still exercising. I was still playing. I was still doing something. As long as you're doing yeah. something, that I mean, to I, I think everyone needs to exercise. Movement is key. Of course, it is. Movement is key. But even in the office, movement is key because I, I sit down most of the time. Yeah. But I make sure now every hour or so because I'm. Um, where I am at the moment, I've got to go upstairs. So I make sure that every hour I go up and down the stairs. Yeah, okay. So I'm moving. Yeah, okay. A lot of people don't move when they're sitting down and they're in the office. I don't care how busy you are, you've got to move. Yep. You know, a little bit of movement. Absolutely. It's amazing how many calories you'll burn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right? So that to me is, you know, and you'll find that if you are active and then you stop, how quickly the weight comes on. I oh, know. <laughs> you know, I I was unemployed. I went through a period in life where I was unemployed for eighteen months. Okay. Um, and it was in the what Keating used to say, "It's the recession that Australia had to have at that time." Um, so it was probably about ninety three, maybe. I can't remember, but anyway, it was the recession that Australia had to have. I got I was unemployed. Um, made redundant, unemployed for 12, 18 months. All I did was sit on the couch. And really? Yeah. He's got in that rut. Yeah. Waking up in the morning. Waking up in the morning. Yeah. It's an easy rut for people to fall, especially at the moment. Oh, Everyone's locked inside. Exactly. It's exactly. An easy rut. Yep. So I put on weight then, not yep. to the point where I got to the 102 kilos, but I did put on weight. Yep. Um, once I got a job and I started getting back into life again mm-hmm. that quickly dropped off yeah. right but it just shows you how quickly you can it can all happen oh god yeah 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 i mean and as you get older yeah it gets worse it gets worse it's harder to move it is not only harder to move but when you do move it's harder to lose the weight right yeah i'd you hate to metabolism slows down i'd hate to think being 102 kilos at 51 and a half Yep. Right. How I would actually go back and actually try and lose that weight. 
compared really? to what I was at eight years ago. So you don't you could do what you did eight years ago now? Be hard. Be very hard. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Motivation's a big thing. It's it's like I know I have to go to the gym, right? Yep. And gym's three doors down the road. <laughs> okay. I sometimes am like, I do not want to go there today. Yep. But I have to get in my car, yep. not think about it, just drive to the car park, yep. check some emails, yep. and then walk up. Sometimes I have a coffee. I've got a cafe in there. Sometimes I have a coffee. <laughs> right? But then I'll go up and just at least, I think to myself, just go and stretch yep. for 30 minutes. Yep. Yep. Once you've stretched, like, I'll just jump on that over there and do that for 20 minutes. Yep. Okay, now I'll do this, this, and this. Yep. I think if you're finding it tough, you just got to do it in incremental steps. It's amazing how powerful the mind can be. Absolutely. Have you thought about, you know, you've done the half marathon, have you thought about getting into an Ironman, a triathlon? I've done a few, I've done a few mini triathlons and they're really fun. Have you, have you thought about that? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> the swimming just gets you. The swimming would, I'd, I'd taken four hours just to swim. I'm not a good swimmer. I can swim to save my life, but I could, you know, nah. So you I mean, found you found your one thing. And I found my one thing. If any, if if anything, it would be to go to a full marathon, full forty two yeah, okay. k's. But as I said, it's it's dedication. I mean, I, I get back home from work, um, especially at the moment. It gets dark early. Yep. Track that I'm on's got no lights. Yeah. Okay. So it makes it a little bit difficult. Um, but let me do the half. I really want to run this half again, yeah. right? Just to prove myself that I haven't run one in three years, I can do it and I can do it in time. Yep. Um, if the motivation is there to do the full, um, it's basically double what I'm doing at the moment training-wise. Well, do I want to do that? I don't know. Yeah. If you would have said that five years ago, I probably would have said, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, okay. Now? No, probably not. Yeah, fair enough. Five years ago, I probably would have. Fair enough. Before we came back up here, I probably would have. Okay. But um, now I'm older. I don't think I've got the um, the motivation to run a, a full. Yep. I had it then. I don't have it now. But I've got the motivation to run a half. Run a half. Well, Halfs, are re- Halfs are easy. I mean, ha- <sighs> I'd struggle to do a half. Halfs are easy, Anth. <sighs> Seriously easy. I think the most I've run is... Uh, Probably about eight k's in a day, okay. nine k's in a day. Yeah, I've done, done. I don't think I've ever done ten. I mean, I've walked 40, 45 kilometers. You've, yeah, <laughs> but you, you, you but walked nine hundred k's in how many days? Thirty-five. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, but the full, like, the full, I'm completely not even. I've never ever been interested. Never, never even crossed my mind. Before I did that, I'd wanted to go and do. Well, I was doing these sprint triathlons. I did a few of them, I loved them. Yeah, but that's what you like to do. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I said, I did 16Ks yesterday, right? And I did them easy. Yeah. Six minute Ks. Yeah, okay. All right, I had to do a nozzles, I go up the hill, which is huffing and puffing, and then I sprint back home. I sprint down the road and then down the driveway, and had a full sprint, Yeah. right? And I've still got the energy to do that yeah. after doing 16Ks. And recovery's short, like, you know, catching your breath and stuff like that. Recovery's short. So I know I'm getting fitter. 16Ks yesterday was easy. Yeah. 
Yeah. What if you had to, if somebody come to you mm. and said, oh, I've just been diagnosed with diabetes type two, mm. and that you, you, if you came to yourself, if you came to you now, mm. back from eight years ago, mm. what, what advice would you give yourself? The advice I would give myself is this, is for your own health, you need to start dieting properly, mm -hmm. right? You need to start exercising. Whether that's walking, running, gym, whatever suits you, you need to get into those habits. You need to change your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It is a lifestyle change that you yep. have to do. You yep. have to get out of what you're doing and change your mentality. It's all in here. It's all in your mind. It's all mindset, yeah. If you can do that within your own mind, yep. right, you'll achieve anything. Any uh, mindful practices or meditation you do? Or is your meditation running? My meditation is running, right? Um, but I have um, not so much, um, you know, doing meditation and stuff like that, but writing things down. Journaling? Journaling. Every day? If not every day, every second day. Really? Yeah. So do you wake up of a morning and do that or no, at night time? Before I go to bed. Really? Mm. Before, just, but even... But even and is it like your thoughts of the day or... Thoughts of the day, stuff that um, I've got to do tomorrow. Okay. Um, that sort of stuff. Stuff that's probably going to cause me not to sleep. Really? Right. Stuff that's probably going to cause me to stress, Okay. Uh, worry. And how long have you been doing that for? Uh, been doing it for a while, and it, and it helps. Of course it does. Yeah. 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 Of course it does. Because your mind, I keep on going to the mind because your mind's your own worst enemy. Absolutely. Right. Um, and this is why I think people suffer from depression and can't get themselves out of it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've suffered from depression. Okay. Right. Um, I've actually gone and seen counsellors about depression. Right. Um especially after my grandfather committed suicide. Okay. Right. So, you know, trying to work out why he did what he did and why he didn't, you know, and all that sort of thing sort of got to me. Sure. Right. I try and live my life by three rules. I don't worry about yesterday. It's happened. I can't change it. Mm -hmm. I don't worry about tomorrow because it's tomorrow. Yep. So I worry about today and what I can get the most out of today. So... By journaling, I write down stuff that if it can be done tomorrow, it can be done tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Why stress about it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why stress today? It's that cliche, and such a cliche, and I hate even saying it, mm. but it's like that living in the present is so powerful. It is. It's just like, think about now. Yeah. Be present with the person you're with and be present in what you're doing. Don't exactly even think right. about what you're going to have for afternoon tea. No. Think about now. Yep. And it's so cliche, and I don't know why it's so cliche and so like wanky to say these days, but it's so true. It is. It is. We, we tend to... I, I, when I was working at Don Smallgoods back in Melbourne, I was contracting for Don Smallgoods at that time, and I was in a, um, a project that they were doing, and I was a, a team member of that project team. And I had a guy who was a project manager by the name of Ian Speed. Um, so I so respect that guy. He... Um, taught me a lot of things about life. 
Mm-hmm. And he gave me a book. Older guy? Older guy? Older guy. Okay. He would have been in his 60s at that time. And you were 20s? No, I was probably early 30s. It's a perfect time, so you're actually listening to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he gave me a book and it was called Don't Sweat on Small Stuff. Okay. So I read it and it made completely sense. Right. You know, we tend to worry about shit. Yeah. Yep. Stuff that shouldn't matter. Absolutely. We worry about what people say to us. We worry about sometimes how we look and how, you know, all that sort of shit. Don't worry about it. If you're comfortable within yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you, you've, and this is so true. It sounds dicky, but it's so true. You've got to love yourself before you can love anyone else. Yep. Yeah. Like you said, so there's a stigma behind saying that these days. Especially for a bloke. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially for a bloke. And this is what us as men right and this is where we fail yeah yeah because we don't listen or do that shit but we should yeah yeah absolutely yeah you know I, I don't care what people think of me I couldn't give a fuck but when you're in your 20s different different story isn't different it? story I mean you have to get to like to a certain degree I even think about it now I think you have to get to a 40 plus and then you stop thinking about it but if you can do it in your 30s Bloody good on you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember when you're young, you go out, you're trying to pick up a girl. Yeah. And you get rejected. <laughs> you get <laughs> smashed. It's like, fuck, what did I do wrong? You know, <laughs> then you, you, I, yeah, I tell people, you've you got to develop a give a fuck attitude. Yeah. Absolutely. Worry about the stuff that you've got to worry about. Mm-hmm. Give a fuck about the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I, you know, as soon as you read that book, that's when you realised. Don't sweat on the small stuff. Yeah. Small stuff will kill you. Yeah. You yeah. know. And most of it is small stuff. It is. Well, there's not much you really have to when you, when you break it down. There is not much you have to worry about. We are the creators of our own problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. We Absolutely. are the creators of our own problems. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. So you know, we'll go back to what we how we just how we started this discussion. There's a bigger problem at the moment. Yeah. It's pandemic. Yeah. What happened in the States and now this movement that's happening here about black people and whatever, that's small compared to the world problem of COVID-19. Yeah. Well, let's not fuck that up because if we do, we've seen the results already. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So don't worry about that shit. We yeah. can't change that shit. It's, it's, yesterday's rally was nothing. It meant nothing. Yeah. Apart from the fact that you may spread a disease. And on that note, we've come full circle, Frank. There we are. Any, one last question. Sure. Any regrets through your 52 years of life? No. Perfect. No. Perfect. <laughs> we've talked to, how long have we been going for? Oh, yeah, our 20? Yeah, 20. We've touched on some good things. Yeah, thank you. Good. Thank you very much for sitting down with me. Pleasure, it's, mate, anytime. Uh, it's really nice. Love talking about this shit. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Maybe you can come on again and we can talk about... Uh, mate, there's the plenty early, to talk about. Early years. Oh, shit, you don't want to know about my early years. Or maybe you do. I don't know. We'll talk about years in Hong Kong. Oh, do you live in Hong Kong? I don't even know I you spent, I spent, No, no, no. I spent some time in Hong Kong. I've got friends there. Oh, really? So there's a, I think... 
that was a period of about six years we used to go over quite often. Oh, really? Oh, mate. <laughs> for next time. For next time. Okay, thanks, Rick. Thanks, mate. And that was the episode. That was episode number eight. Thanks a lot for listening. If you need to contact me or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at thewanderingposty at gmail.com um, or my Instagram, hit me in my DMs at thewanderingposty. I share the episode if you enjoyed it. Um, and again, thanks for listening. I love doing these. They're so much fun. And I hope, I hope, I hope it comes through in the interview as well. Thanks again.